rebuilding job. Energy. You know, glad to see you. Hello. Welcome in, listeners, to the Tottenham Depot. I'm your host, Andrew, joined today by Todd and Scott. Many of you may be uh, new to the podcast. I know we, we got a lot of traction on the interwebs this past week as the transfer deadline rolled around. If you wouldn't mind hitting subscribe and leaving a, re- a review on your podcasting app of choice, that would be delightful. And welcome to all of you who are first-time listeners. Uh, we talk Spurs here. That's what we do, and we're going to do that today for for about an hour or so. Uh, before I get to Todd and Scott, I want to say happy birthday to Tottenham Hotspur, founded on this day in 1882. Uh, hey. And I, I am not doing the math. I, I'm not going to figure out how old they are. I didn't do that before the podcast, and I'm not going to do it right now. But uh, <laughs> TC underscore Kasho, the Todd father is in the house. Todd, how's it going, my friend? Gentlemen, every day that you get to talk about Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, especially around a birthday, is a good day. Um, I'm thankful, man. I'm thankful we get to talk Spurs. I'm thankful that, uh, oh, hey, by the way, I was just curious if you guys had seen um, a Premier League table recently. Um, Tottenham Hotspur in first place. Uh, every day you get to talk about that is always a good day. So it's, I've been, I don't know about you guys, but I've been uh, definitely wearing Spurs gear on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, just to make sure that everybody, dude, I saw some guys in a Leeds kit yesterday just kind of give me a nod like i don't know i've ever seen a leeds kit in in the u.s but uh yeah sure it's a good it's a good time to be spurs scotty what's up bud not much man fucking big soccer day today big one tonight 5 p.m big one at 1 30 yeah the loyal play at 3 30 yeah for for those not keeping track at home that is but yeah, for those not keeping track at home, Scott's talking about USA Canada on Sunday night. We are recording this on the 5th. Uh, U.S. got a nil-nil draw against El Salvador in World Cup qualifying to open it up. Uh, England big winners today over, was it Angola that they played? Andorra? Andorra. Andorra. One of those countries. They won that, like 7, 8, 9, nothing or something like that. Is that where they think Ewoks it was, are from? I think it was 4, nothing. Uh, and, it was at least 5. And the Ewoks are from... Oh God, this is going to test my nerdism right here. Where Come are on. the Ewoks from? Endor. And is right. it and Endor? Not Andor. Endor. Endor. Yeah. Endor. Endor. That's true. I did Endor. not know I was going to be tested on Star Wars. Uh, it's all right. Dude, this... It's early on the West Coast still, kind of. It right? is. I got up now. early this morning. I I had a coffee. <laughs> I went and played some golf in the hot Arizona sun. So mm. um, I'm I'm winding down now for the rest of the day, and I'm gonna. I'm going to watch, as as Scott also alluded to, Phoenix Rising, our, our our beloved USL championship team, play up in Tacoma this afternoon. And then we're going to watch USA-Canada tonight. Uh, that one's in Nashville, I believe, right? I think so. It's at home. So. Yeah. So, think, think, I think home. that one's in Nashville. So, As a, uh, as a US plenty fan, on the, we just hope the offense shows up today. Yeah, plenty on the soccer agenda for an international break. Um, we've, you know, we've gotten a little bit of a break from – the club soccer of it all. And like Todd said, we've been able to to sit on top of the table as Spurs fans and look down at everyone and point and laugh, at least for a brief moment. Although we know how that went last year when Spurs were top of the table. Um, you know, you got to maintain it and that's what Spurs will hope to do. But we have not potted since last Sunday. Uh, and in that 
meantime, the transfer window slammed shut. I think you have to say it slammed shut as a as a media personality or whatever the hell we are. Uh, you have to use that phrase that the, the window slammed shut because um, otherwise you're not doing it right. But the window is closed. Spurs brought in what was it? A total of five players and and loaned one back out. Uh, Pape Matar Sar, they loaned him back out. But four four players uh, in and a whole host really of players either sold or contracts ending. Um, quite a few players on the way out in, as part of this kind of long, painful rebuild that that we've been talking about. What feels like for about a decade, but really has only been about three years. Um, and it's still going on and, and quite a few players loaned as well. Um, including that last minute tradition of loaning Cameron Carter Vickers out to a team that probably didn't really want him, but just took him on because, you know, why not have an extra center back just lying around? So, Oh, um, take it easy. I think that he, I think he'll <laughs> do bits in the Scottish premier league. Come on. Well, of course he will. This is what I'm saying. He's a championship level player. The Scottish Premier League is lucky to be compared to the championship right now. To be fair, outside of Rangers and and uh, and Celtic, obviously. But um, well, uh, listen. You know, I, I I sent out a tweet earlier this week, kind of um, lambasting Spurs fans for uh, being so hard on on Spurs for this window. There are things to criticize, certainly, as there always are, uh, because it can always be better. But also, um, you know, when you take this thing practically, which is what I at least try to do here, um, some of us get a little more hot takey at times, and even I get hot takey at times. But when you look at this transfer window as a whole, I think it's a solid, you know, foundation to what uh, Fabio Paratici has started to want to do, you know, as, as the director of football going forward. Todd, what were your impressions overall? And And again, I don't think we're looking for a – a letter grade or a number grade here, just your impressions overall of, of this transfer window as it, as it, um, you know, as I said, slammed shut. Um, my overall opinion is, is when you think about, well, you know, what was the best signing of the window and for, for Tottenham Depot fans, this is where it's going to get a little spicy. Paratici's uh, arrival is uh is definitely the uh the best move that Spurs made this entire summer. And what he's done, his arrival, uh the way he that he envisions the future of this club, the moves that he's made throughout the window, um he has put his thumbprint on Tottenham Hotspur in a very very exciting way. And I think that this window though not necessarily Impressive in terms of big name signings or flashy, uh, you know, uh, players on the inbound. Um, what I will say is that Rome wasn't built in a day, and uh, he damn sure put a strong foundation together to build upon going forward. And I'm really excited to see how he shepherds Steve Hitchin through his nemesis, which is the January transfer window. I think that the biggest upset of all of that is your pronunciation of, of Paratici's name. So listen, I, I am and have been a loyal fighting cock listener for a long time. No free ads. And we don't mention other shows on this show and yada, yada, yada. But I'm just telling you, I listen to those guys. They're, they're a big part of my Spurs fanhood and have been for damn near a decade. Like, I really appreciate what those guys do. They had Alistair Gold. 
on their show this week. And Alistair Gold, who has been my beacon of truth when it comes to the pronunciation of this, recounted a story to Flab about the fact that he had some, he's been going back and forth with it, has been going <laughs> paratici this entire time, and he had somebody stop him in the hallway and tell him at Spurs, hey, he broke it down for us and told us how to say it, and it's paratici. So, yep. that said, to Dakota, I heard, I to heard Andrew, Gold. <laughs> I heard gold this week on his own podcast with, with Rob guest and they were talking about it. So, so that said to you guys, um, I'm still not fucking sorry. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) But I will, uh, I will will abide by the man's, uh, uh, wishes is, is, uh, we we do our best to get it right here. And you know, when we don't get it right, we don't get it right. Sorry. We're, you know, we're not, uh, (laughs) we're not, we're not perfect over here and no one is, um, but yeah, that's I, that was the biggest upset of that entire diatribe you went on for me, and I I appreciated it nonetheless. Uh, Scott, I know that you think that the biggest signing uh, for for this team this this transfer window was Pierre Luigi Gallini, but um, <laughs> as a whole, what do you think that this window meant for Spurs and and the building block that it creates going forward? We got a keeper when he go leaves. Simple as that, baby. <laughs> All right, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. But no, honestly, I, I think it's as simple as, you know, finally feeling it. And and I'm gonna just rinse and repeat because you know we all feel this way. But we finally have a plan, and we have a plan that's that's telling me that we're thinking both for the now and the long term in, in a way. And I think that's something that Paratici does well. Um, you know, there's a reason. I obviously there's a lot of reasons why Juventus went on the run that they did, but he was definitely involved in that, right? And um, I think he just he has a knack for 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 investing in the future in a way that allows you to be competitive in the now. And Spurs were desperate for that. And I think the the biggest thing that I often find myself thinking about right now is is those five or six years that were just glorious, right? Well, maybe the last two of those five or six years were a dumpster fire, but. The Pochettino era went so fast and it was so magical that I, I lost sight of how old our team had gotten. Like I really did. You know, I still thought of like Kane and, 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 and co even Sonny as like these younger guys who were like, you know, in their early to mid to mid twenties and really in their prime. And they're certainly in their prime right now, no question, but I just didn't realize how old the squad had gotten. Um, and, uh, We've we've addressed that again with a guy who's very talented when it comes to doing such, and um, it feels good. And you know, league table, blah blah blah. It's it's fantastic, right? But long season ahead. But regardless of where we end up, I'm enjoying watching Spurs again. Um, you know, my alarm goes off at 3:45, and I'm not thinking, why the fuck would I ever do what I'm about to do to myself? Yeah. You know, I'm actually pumped to yeah. go watch the games again. And for me, that's a huge piece of this. Point. I think as Spurs fans, man, we just, we, you know, that's what we had for so long was just the joy that comes with this. We didn't give a fuck if we won or not because we were never going to, right? So it was all about just getting together with the boys and crushing beers. And, um, you know, I think under Pochettino, I got to a point where I lost sight of that as well. And I was just so fucking hungry for titles, man. And I still am, but I'm just so happy that I enjoy watching Tottenham again. And like I said, we're crushing beers again with the boys and that's important. So. Indeed, no, indeed. it's it's true, and and you know, of all the players sold, Spurs actually made money on Joe Hart. 
after getting him on a free transfer last year. Well done, Daniel. You know, and that's I know that's near and dear to your business, heart baby. as a as a as a backup keeper aficionado, Scott. I know that that is all that you care about is uh, is, is that that position. So, hey, well, big... you're you you won't be laughing when Loris leaves, and we've got our fucking guy. All right. So, before we before we dive deeper into the the players that we have signed, let's look at the players that have departed, and they're really in in in. in I think when that's look, the biggest business to the window, Andrew. Yeah, when you look at the big picture, there are a lot of them. Now, many of them are youth players, um, players like, you know, Keziah Sterling, contract ended, Shiloh Tracy, George Marsh, um, a lot of those types of names. Uh, TJ Ayoma was sold. Uh, Dennis Serkin sold with a buyback clause. We went over that a little bit in the deal with Sunderland. Um, Juan Foyth moved on. You know, we, we kind of knew that was happening, the loan to buy deal with, uh, I believe it was Villarreal, right? Um, so, you know, a lot of those types of deals that we already knew were in the offing. Toby Alderweireld goes, um, as, as you kind of mentioned, Scott, like, you know, moving to this youth movement that, that we're kind of seeing at Spurs, a lot of the older players moving on and, and human son even addressed that, uh, post-match last week, um, talking about how, you know, he and Kane and, and Hugo Lloris are kind of the three elder statesmen now within the club. Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer as well. Yeah. Um, they didn't mention Kane's ass. That's, right. that's true. Yeah, I mean, it, Sorry, I, 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 I no, you're right. I brought that up. I mean, it's true though. I mean, he's he. They are the elder statesmen um, of this team, though. Musa Sissoko moves on uh, late last week in a deal to Watford. Um, the Serge Aurier contract <laughs> ends. Um, you know, they, they 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 that was kind of a an interesting one as well. We all thought well, there would be a deal to come. Go ahead, Todd. No, I didn't think that there was going to be a deal. The company couldn't find anybody to buy out his fucking contract because nobody wants to like pay Serge Aurier. Like it's that guy's a headache, and there's a reason why nobody snapped him up right away. There's a reason why he's the Ivory and captain, and he's a legitimate the the most talented right back we had at Spurs, yeah. bar none, to be fair. And we wanted to move him on. He wanted to get out of here. He hit the open market, and nobody signed him yet. Now he's going to get a job. Don't get me wrong. But that guy's a headache. I honestly think that the biggest things that happened this window, above and beyond getting getting younger, which I appreciate and absolutely value, um, is getting La Mafia out the door. I think that you're actually going to see Tongi and Dombele thrive now in the absence of that 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 security blanket of La Mafia. And I think because of that, this is ultimately going to be addition by subtraction for Spurs. Before we get into Ndombele, let's let's touch on Aurier. Those who have heard me on podcasts in the past uh, know that I was a, an Aurier fan for, for 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 the reasons that are basically he's better than people gave him credit for as a player. Yeah. Um, and, and he's and better I than anybody that, else we had. <laughs> and and yes, and you made the point. He is the the best on paper right back at this club until you know he no longer is obviously, um, which always made it awkward that he was kind of that that nuisance, that pain in the ass that no one really wanted to acknowledge what was going on. And no one, I think really even knew fully what was going on other than he's wanted to move basically for three summers and no one would come in for him. Um, And, or no one, or who knows, no one would come in for him for the price that Tottenham had set. Who who really knows the answer? Um, I certainly don't, but it is interesting that he departs and Spurs have this kind of, I guess contingent at right back that 
he was the you know the best one on paper of but they're moving on and and like you said todd it is kind of addition by subtraction to an extent because they don't have to burden themselves with thinking about it serge Aurier should be the guy playing here but he there's this awkwardness within the you know within the locker room well also for the first time in god blessed forever andrew we addressed a like for like need by letting serge go and bringing in emerson right like, that's exciting for me Paratici actually looked at that shit and said, hey, we kind of need one of those, too, because we know this guy's going to get out of here. We should do that. What, what was big difference, man. Scott, what was your take on them just rather than doing – and, and I'm not suggesting that they should have or ever would have done this with Ndombele, but rather than doing the thing that they did with Ndombele and keeping him, you know, I guess in the doghouse, but just cutting ties with Serge Aurier, what was your take on that? I guess not an unexpected move, right? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, I will, I will avoid the banter that you know could go back and forth between you and I here over this. Uh, you know, we've had our moments over Surge, but I, I will say this, man. He, you know, I, I have, I have a lot of respect for some of the moments he he had in the Spurs shirt, especially Matt. You know, can never be overlooked that he played right after his, you know, a massive tragedy in his life. Um, yeah. I also will never never step away from the feeling that I've never been a fan of him and it's all off field character stuff, right. That, that has just, this really doesn't sit well with me. And, um, you know, maybe I, I, I'm all about second chances and giving people the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I'm, I've never met the guy, so I won't comment any more than that. But I, I just, I, I think what I'm saying is I, I just think the club for many reasons felt that it was best to just remove his presence from the organization. And I'm not really sure why that was right. I won't say it was his character. It could have just been the fact that, you know, his, his style didn't suit the, the tactics that Nuno was looking to employ. Who knows, right? But they didn't want him at the club, and, and they made the right decision. And I think it, I think it's a Nuno thing, and, and that's the biggest piece to all of this. And I, I kind of equate it to when Poch came in and said, Adeboyer, I'll pay you 120 grand to fuck off and just go away, you know? I'll literally pay you $120,000 a week to get the fuck out of my club, and that's you know, I don't think that was the same thing with Serge Aurier, but what I'm saying is our manager was able to come in and, and make an executive decision like that and say, I don't need this guy in my club and he needs to be gone. And um, I think that's really important because it shows the buy-in that the club has towards Nuno. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Goodbye, Serge. I wish you all the best if you end up at Arsenal or whatever, man. I, I'm, I, You know, there's that rumor floating around, but um, we're better for it. Like Todd said, like for liking this Emerson kid, I think. Um and then we've got ourselves a young gap at Tanganga who is proving to be a hell of a defensive right back, right? So um, I think we've really improved at the position, to be honest. Is the reason why we, we didn't go after Tommy Yasu? Exactly, 100%. I mean, they and why he did and end said, up at Arsenal. Hey, exactly, pay for right? Well, and honestly, I don't know if you guys saw any of the punditry there, but there's a lot of people who don't even know what position this guy plays and are really confused as to like why he's coming to England. Absolutely. Um, but, Arsenal, I'm I'm not even bantering right now. Like I said this in our group chat. Anyone who's like screaming Enoch, Levy, blah, 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 just stop. Because if you look at Arsenal and you look at Barcelona and like the way those clubs are financially run, like that would have been us in a decade with the stadium had we not played our cards right and had somebody at the top with some serious financial acumen. And yes, it's not going to be perfect, right? There's, there's, there's a lot that goes into these things, but I'm really fucking glad that we haven't spent almost $200 million on some, on no squad improvements at all. Like Arsenal yeah. has. And I, I can't Such think of any shot. signing they've made that has improved their team 
um, and they've spent more than anyone on the planet. And it's just, it's, it's weird. So um, thank you, Tanganga, for being fucking phenomenal and making sure we don't buy that kid. Welcome, Emerson. Up the right back position, baby. My yeah, favorite position on the pitch. And, and of course, I, I will not, you know, I, I don't back the, the Aurier off the field stuff either, obviously. It was, it was really a case of I thought he was more maligned on the pitch than he should have been in a similar way to the other guy that left the club this transfer window that you always loved, who got, I think got also got somewhat more maligned on the pitch than he maybe should have been in Musa Sissoko. And we, yeah. we would go back and forth about which, of the, which was the more maligned, undeserved player, um, which is, is still kind of funny. Um, in terms of, uh, other, other outs, you know, looking back, you know, there's, there's going, I mean, Eric Lamella, I mentioned Joe Hart. Um, there is Sissoko, there's Toby. It's, it seems like all of this is just a, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word. Um, it, it feels like Spurs are washing their hands really almost of, of a lot of guys that had just hung on for a little too long and they didn't get rid of all of them. There are still guys on this on this in this team that it feels like have been there too long and, and want to move on. But um, I don't know. It just, is that, is that what it feels like to you guys that it's, it's, it's the starting of the washing of the hands. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the thing that we've talked about ad nauseum over the last couple of years is we have a bloated squad and we need to clear the dead weight and we need to this, this, and this. and so, yeah, in a lot of ways they looked around the locker room and went, wait, how old are you? Bye. And I mean, as they should have, the other thing that they've done is I think that they've looked around and said, you know, Nuno's bringing in a Nuno system. These fl- these players are clearly surplus to requirements. Like, have a nice day. Like, jog on, Joe Hart, Musa. Like, we you we know that you're going to have a, a you know a, a fine next stop someplace else. It's just you know you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So, um, and I and that's that's really based off of the way that you know Hart has come out and talked about it, and, and similarly for some other players that have gotten their marching orders to to find the door. It's not been personal. It's just been very yeoman like and, and business focused to uh to to make sure that they know like, hey, we're just doing things different. And I appreciate the heck out of that. The the biggest thing that, that, that Pratici and Nuno have done is that they've they've reinstilled the belief in Spurs and they're bringing a culture back and that's something that as spurs fans it's really important for us to have we felt like we lost that i think it's fair to say last year andrew it, i i totally agree with you uh, it does feel like there's there's something new brewing and i i talked about this when when nuno espirito santo was hired it doesn't feel like a pochettino hire it doesn't feel like that especially because of the way that it went over the summer and that you know nuno was let's be honest he was probably like the fifth sixth maybe seventh choice to be the manager of this club but it does kind of feel like some you know it feels like a a rebirth of sorts um for this club especially after everything they went through with Mourinho and then Mason for a brief time in trying to 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 get through that last season so i thought that was good um in terms of the ins Brian Hill, Pierre Luigi Gallini, Christian Romero Emerson Royal, the the deadline day signing, the right back who, who you guys have both mentioned, and then Saar, who was of course loaned back to his team in France. Um, eh, what do we make of 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 this four slash five players? Of course, it's four of them that are that are with <laughs> us right now, and 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 five as a whole, Todd. Well, when you look at it directly, I mean, we've kind of talked in the abstract about Romero for a long time. 
And now that we've seen him on the pitch, um, it's definitely going to take a little bit of time for him to bet in. So as kind of like, I guess you could say the headline signing of this class, um, it's something where maybe you wish that he was a little bit more Premier League ready than he's appeared for us in the, in the first couple of matches. Um, what I will say is that um, I think that uh, Galini is uh, a fine backup. Um, I think that Emerson walks into this fucking team, uh, especially if we're playing a back four. Uh, and I think that uh, probably, in my opinion, the biggest signing of this entire window for us is Ben Bryant. That guy's the fucking real deal. And I'm so excited that he wears Lily White. Scott, what do you think about the the ins? I know that you're a big Galini fan, but let's let's try to shy away from your your backup keeper love. I w- honestly, man, I I'm really excited about Brian, like Todd. I'm also really excited about Pape Sar. Um, yeah. Holy shit, man! I I didn't know who that guy was until we signed him, and then I did a bunch of research, and yeah, his stats are impressive, man. It's extremely impressive what he did last year. Um, you know, at a very young age. And I think the most the most interesting thing about this guy, and I've already shared this, I think, once on the show, so apologies if, if it's a repeat for any listeners, but he was signed by Generate from Generation Foot, which is in Senegal, some random Senegalese club, right, by Mets. And we all know these French clubs have deep, deep roots with regards to their scouting networks in Africa, right, for sure. So they signed this kid out of nowhere, he comes to Mets. He plays one game for their second club, and then started the rest of the, the season uh, for their first team every single oh match. So he literally played one game for their second team, and then they said, "Never mind, you now start for the first team every single <laughs> match for the rest of the season." Um, and that's what's fucking exciting. That was a year ago, right? He's he's been in France for a year, and so obviously Paratici had his eye on this kid. Believes he's a real How? deal. That's amazing. I don't know, man, but I'm fucking excited because I. From, from his stats and what people are saying, like I've actually done research on it. It's like Google and like click on a couple of links, right? That he's the next Musa Dembele, if you want to call it like a like for like. And of course, everybody's going to say that about everybody. But if we can find a guy who can break the lines with the ball at his feet, we're going to be dangerous again. Um, and that's what we've really been missing. God, I mean, I hope so. But I mean, like, like you think about that, like you say like, oh, you know, that's what everybody says. But like, People outside, he's like a legend. Like, like, he, like he's like a mythical being. Like yeah. People outside of Tottenham don't necessarily understand what type of uh-huh. player uh-huh. Musa Dembele was. Yeah, that's yes. a heavy, heavy, heavy comparison to say that somebody's the next Musa Dembele. Because I, I still have never seen a better midfielder when it when it comes to to breaking lines and progressing the ball with no, the ball. Nobody could get him. Nobody could get the ball off of him. Yeah, like you, you know, you have you have a guy like Ericsson who can break lines with his passing, but. Nobody can do that like Dembele could. And if this kid can do that, then I'm fucking really excited. So um, anyway. Our boy Shuban wanted to ask um, about Sar. Shoes. What what did was would there have been a preference from you guys to have him loaned to an English side, whether it be a Premier League side or a championship side, or or are you okay with him staying in France for now on loan and sticking with the team that he's been with? And do you think it's something that they will look to change up in January? Uh, personally, I think that it's great that he stayed exactly where he is, uh, especially because he's only been there for a year. What 
especially because everybody recognizes his value. They appreciate him. He gets more confidence playing here. <clears throat> He's already played in this league. Everything at, you know, 18 or 19 is about confidence, right? And like keeping the momentum going. And so I think that rather than going, hey, dude, why don't you go hang out at Birmingham for, you know, uh, six, eight months in the middle of winter when you're right. from Senegal? Um, no, we really we're excited you're at Tottenham, but no, 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 seriously. Um, Stoke is really cool in February. That's where you should be. No, hard pass, bro. Like, I'm not, no. Like, stay at Mets, do your thing, get built up, like, yep. have your swan song season, and then come to Spurs and become best friends with Tonki and Dombele, and let's fucking go. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think staying at Mets was the right call, and, and I don't even think they should revisit it in, in January. I think no just hard pass. let him stick around there and, and hang out and, and do his thing. Well, and um, I, I think it's like it's worth noting there. Again, look at Skip last season, and, and why I bring that up is when you're the guy yeah. that everything goes through. Look what it does to your development, and, and most importantly, your confidence, which is like ninety percent of this game. So, I think I think him knowing that he'll be the guy at Mets will play every single minute in league. Un will have everything flow through him. There's not a better place for him to be. Especially if like, because they have a legitimate chance to like make like a like a French League Cup run or something like. Sure. Like they can they can make a little noise. Can Mets, and if he could be like the guy on a team that actually wins something for a team like Mets, like again, like that's that's another kind of like feather in his cap, or at least even even if they can make a deep cup run, like that's something that will go a long way in his development. And I don't necessarily know that he would get that opportunity having to trying to bet in in a new club in England in a new environment where nobody speaks the language you speak and yada, yada, yada. So we'll see. Let's talk about um, what didn't happen for Spurs during this window. Who, what, what positions did they not buy? Obviously everyone's going to point to, and this is kind of where I got to going off on a little bit of a rant earlier this week. They didn't buy a backup striker to back up Harry King. And I was told, why the hell didn't they buy a player like Danny Ings? Well, partially because he went to Aston Villa. Uh, secondly, because how are you going to convince Danny Ings to come to Tottenham and play the backup to Harry Kane? That's number one. That's disrespectful to Danny Ings, who is a very good Premier League player. Uh, if you want him to play alongside Harry Kane, okay, that's fine. Are you moving uh, Hyungman's son back deeper into the midfield then? Are you just going to take that, that, that away from him? Uh, what are you doing to change up Tottenham's formation in order to accompany two strikers on the pitch at the same time? I mean, it just it. People think that 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 the backup striker thing at Spurs is an easy solution, and I don't think it is. I think it's a very very difficult puzzle to try and complete. Totally, man. Here's here's what happened with backup striker. We had our eyes on a couple guys in Italy. We, we all know who they were, right? They were not coming to be the backup striker. They were coming to replace Kane. It, it became evident that Lataro was unavailable, that they weren't going to sell him, right? And it became evident that we were not going to be able to sign that kid from Fiorentina. They wanted too much money. So I think, yeah, thank you. And I so I think at that point, Spurs said, fuck it, we have to keep Kane. Like, if we cannot replace Kane, then we're all bids are struck out of hand and we're keep we have to hold on to Kane, right? And so I think at that point we shift our focus to Kane, we secure him. And I think 
because of what you just said and what we've said on this show dating back to the old show for a long time is that no one's going to come sit behind Harry Kane because he's the best striker in the world. Um, nobody, nobody who is in the in their prime and going to be scoring goals is going to come sit behind Harry Kane. Um, that's literally the devil's edge when you have the best player at any position, right? Um, unless you can pay them 500k a week, which if you do that, then you're Arsenal and you tank at some point, right? So um, I think Nuno said, "Fuck it, we have Dane Scarlett and massive, massive players got shots at 17 and it panned out and." You know, I can't sign anybody worth the shit to back up Harry Kane, so I'm going to roll with Scarlett and, and we secure Harry Kane. Right? Well, That's and we I'm saw, doing. and I agree with you entirely, and we saw, the, the other thing is it's not just Harry Kane, it's it's Harry Kane and Youngman's son. Because right, you can exactly. play some up top right. if you have to. So it's like, yeah, if you're looking at it going, well, you know, if, if I'm going to play in, in fucking Moldova, then yeah, Dane Scarlett, have your go, right? But if I need a backup, if Kane's not available and I got to go – you know, go up to and get some points in the Premier League at fucking, you know, wherever at Manchester United. And, and I don't have Kane. I can throw Sun up top and like know that I'll be OK. Yeah. Well, like, that, it's, a, it's a great point because it, like look at like a Bamford, for example, 17 goals last year in the league. That'd be a great shot for a backup striker to Kane. Right. But if if Kane went down, I would I would prefer Sun up top to Bamford like absolutely. all day long. Right. And so yeah. you, you make an excellent fucking point. dude. We already have two of the best strikers in the league, one of whom is the best in the world. Um, yeah, so it's 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 tough, man. So, yeah, so that's why I think that, like, you're getting to see Dane Scarlett get a run. I think it's an excellent point. I think it's also important to note, as someone who's been holding a candle and, and saying a prayer regularly for this young man, <clears throat> that uh, Troy Parrott is starting to get a little bit of run and, and mm-hmm. starting to uh, find a little confidence in the back of the net again, which is super exciting. Um, because if that guy can actually reach potential, like, holy shit, our pipeline at striker is actually much cleaner and Daniel Levy than we thought. And Daniel Levy looks like a genius again for not going out and paying a, a, a British Premier League striker a price tag for Danny Ings when mm-hmm. realistically, you know, it, it, that's if Danny Ings were to be purchased by a La Liga team, it wouldn't it wouldn't be for nearly as much. I, the place I'll push back with you guys a little bit is, and 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 it's only a very little bit, trust me. But Youngman's son to me is not he. He shouldn't be impl- employed as a striker. He is better on the wing, at ten times out of ten. He can do a job in a pinch as a striker, but that's something that it, that does make me a little nervous because if Harry King goes down with an injury, and let's say God forbid it's a four month injury or something. That's where you get into a little bit of trouble with Youngman Son as your regular striker. He plays in a two with Lucas up top, and it and like it changes shape a little bit, but it, it has works. to. Yeah, well, and I mean, then, that's just what it that's just what yeah. it looks like. I mean, that's what we saw early. And, but then, of course, that's what you're they were weakening. Kind of preparing for. Yeah, then of course you're weakening other parts of your team by doing that as well. Well, but well, then and, well, and, well, here's the thing: you were weakening other parts of your team as you're talking about it. Essentially, what that means to is a three. But we signed Emerson and we signed Romero, so then all of a sudden we've kind of got contingency plans if we have to go to that back three and go to the two up top. Like it's not ideal, but it's not awful. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's it is true. Well. And, and I think we're all side with Andrew a little bit. There is, I would have, I still would like us to be able to sign somebody who doesn't force us to change our approach when, when Kane's not available. But again, to Todd's point, it, it works just fine. And I think as far as Sonny up top, I mean, 
he is probably better off off the wing out wide off the flank he's just so good at drifting into to, yeah. to unnoticed space right but i think he's a world-class clinical fucking finisher and at that point that person can play striker like he is such a clinical fucking cool calm collected finisher that he'll be just fine at striker always 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 right even if he is a little bit better out wide what are the other positions of need that this team didn't address this window that they still need to do? I think, I think some sort of attacking midfielder that can, that, that can progress the ball um, in a way that Delhi is never really going to be able to I'm all for Delhi, man. I'm I, the Delhi resurgence. I'm, I'm on the fucking train baby all day, but I still think that he's not going to be able to progress the ball through his vision and passing in a way that we're going to need our, our, you know, our central attack and midfielder to do. Now we've got Giovanni Lacelso, and I think as he finds form, you know, he can he can, he can fill that gap a little bit. But um, I don't know. The dude might get arrested in Brazil, so who fucking knows at this point? Um, <laughs> but 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 honestly, all jokes aside, I would have liked to have seen us go out and get Hassan o- Or or whatever the guy's name is. I can't pronounce it correctly, but um, you know, Par- Paratici likes that dude, and he 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 does have vision, and I think he created 39 chances in 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 Ligue 1 last year. Um, and you know, if, if you replace whoever was up top for him at Lyon with Harry Kane on those 39 chances, I think, you, you know, you do see a little bit more production too. So, um, you know, I think that's where he missed out a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I like a war actually a lot, <clears throat> but I think that the need kind of gets met, um, uh, because we kept Tongue. So the fact that we te- sure. kept Tongue, we can deploy him in a legitimate Great 10 point. role, which is, is where he wants to be. And if we can give him confidence, and in, in, in Alistair talked about this as well, uh, you know, he, he's the, the, he's kind of his own worst enemy. He starts to believe his own hype a little bit after he plays out of his skin. And, and, and that's something where I think that if Nuno can help him remain, I listen, we all know how hard it is to stay humble when you're kicking ass. But like if he if, if Nuno can help him get to that point in time, I think Tongi is, is really going to be a big key for Tottenham this season in that role. For me, Andrew, it really boils down to the fact that I don't think that we did enough at the center back position. I think that there's absolutely a a giant hole that we did not fill. And I think, unfortunately, we're believing early season hype on Eric Dyer and Davidson Sanchez. I'm going to say that right now. I'm going to be the pessimist about our defense. I I agree with you a million percent, Todd. I think that center back – Needed, needed, needed to be at least two buys there, if not three. And, and there was one and it's one that we think we think can be good, but also one that we think is going to be really, really fucking aggressive and makes me very nervous as well. Um, And I still don't think that we're going to see this team play in a three on a regular basis. I think we're going to see it play in a regular back four. And that's going to mean depth, which is good because you only play two center backs in a back four and that we have, <laughs> you know, quote unquote, three starters right now. Um, but it also means who gets pushed out. There's a lot of awkwardness there in central in the central of the defense. And for me, the other spot and Scott, cover your ears real quick. I, I don't think this team has remotely addressed the goalkeeper position long term. Um, I, I think that Golini is not an answer long term. He can prove me otherwise during the course of this season, but I think that they could they would have done well to get one or maybe even a, a second young, promising keeper for the future. I'm not 100% sure that Golini is that answer, but he will be able to prove me wrong 
Uh, he'll have that chance at least to do so over the course of, of, of this season, maybe even into next. But but Larice is I, I think it's obvious that this is going to be Larice's last season. So what does this team do in the cage uh, beyond this year? It would be my question. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, they go back to France and they get Onana. Like it would, that wouldn't shock me. <laughs> in in thousand percent in. Yep. Push my push my chips to the center of the table uh, on that move. Uh, really quick on the center back piece, I, I do think I I mean I don't I don't think you guys are are off the mark at all, but I also think if I look at if I look at Sanchez and you know Dyer or whatever. We can talk about him too, but I'm I'm really thinking about Sanchez right now. Um, he he lost form when things got tumultuous at the club. Um, if you look at last season, he did. Sorry. He did. I, he, no, he, I I laugh because to me that means he lost form when he was told he wasn't good enough by his manager. Well, well no, I also and, think and he, he lost form when Jan Vertonghen went to fucking Portugal. Yeah. Well, here's a, no, no, no. But I'm talking. I'm, I'm when he was forced to play about, alongside Eric Dyer all year. <laughs> No, okay. In the Pochettino reign, he lost form the last probably six months under Poch, right? Things were fucked up at the club after the Champions League final. I don't. I think he was one of the guys that really struggled with, with the, you know, the lethargic, lethargy, thank you, lethargy, that's the word, that comes after that, right? Um, I, I'm not giving him an out here, but I look at his first two seasons, it's phenomenal when, when two guys in Toby and, and Jan went down, you know, at separate times. Um, and last season, when we carried, when we were in first place in December, him and Dyer had started every match together. So I think what I'm getting at, and Andrew, you're going to like this as soon as I wrap all this up. I think Mourinho really fucked him up, dude. And I, and I really think that, I think that he's going to, I think he's going to have a big year. I really do. I, I think him and right. Dyer both. And I think, I think if you look at how good they were, uh, those first three or four months under Mourinho, they did have a manager who come in and really, really, really focus on the defense. And I think that that gave them energy and some momentum. But then, then the man management, man management piece came under Mourinho, and neither of those guys handled that very well. So sure. I think Mourinho fucked them up, and I think they're those two are going to have a phenomenal year. I think R- Romero is going to have trouble getting into the side. I think it's going to take him a little while. Um, I wouldn't play that dude in a big game at all right now because it's asking for a red card and i think we've got two really solid center backs who most importantly talent aside whatever in dyer and sanchez that back line is really compact and really playing well together um and it seems like dyer is a big piece of that so i wouldn't be surprised if, if we don't even see romero much at all until you know january plus you're you're basically looking for the luke shawification of davidson sanchez is totally man yeah, well, too. And and by yeah. the way, Romero at this point in 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 recording this, he he may have trouble getting back into the country, much much less into the side. Uh, we'll address yeah. it. We'll address it. Uh, we'll do so right after this break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back into the Tottenham Depot. I'm your host, Andrew. 
alongside Todd. Scott had to dart a little early, so he's not with us for the second half of the pod, but that's okay. Todd now will bring you home. Gotcha uh, covered. You might have heard in the first half of the podcast, we were making some jokes about uh, Brazil and Argentina and, and arrests and things like that. Um, as we've been recording this this podcast this afternoon, um, some shit has been going down in Brazil. Uh, Brazil and Argentina uh, were set to play today in a, I guess it was a World Cup qualifying match, would be my guess, um, uh-huh. during, during this break. And <laughs> strangely enough, um, two Spurs players are involved in this, Giovanni Lo Celso and Christian Romero, along with t- the two other Premier League players that are uh, with Argentina. Um, and they they started this match. <laughs> there was some hub there was some hubbub before the match about the match wasn't going to go on because these four players that came from England to join Argentina in Brazil for this match um, had not properly quarantined and needed to do so. And Brazil wasn't going to play the game. But then the South American Federation came in and said they needed to play the game or they would lose it. Um, the game started. And about 10 minutes in, officials in masks came onto the field and attempted to detain the four players from the Premier League, including <laughs> Lo Celso and Romero, the two Spurs players. Now, there are rumors that those those four players and the other two I'm referring to are, who is it, Buendia and Martinez, and right? Martinez, the keeper, yeah. Uh, there's rumors out there, and I want to I be really, really careful about what I say here, but there there is rumors out there that they may have filled out some intake forms improperly, or maybe their agents did it, or maybe allegedly the Argentinian Federation did it. Who knows? Allegedly there were some forms that needed to be filled out that were filled out either incorrectly or erroneously. And and we're not exactly sure uh, how that happened, but what is, what are the ramifications of that? Andrew? Well, the, the, the word is now, and again, this is all happening. Like as we are recording this podcast, (laughs) this news is not, we're not going to have a solution to this by the time we're done recording. And, and, And we apologize for that. But what's wild about this is there's rumor that they could either be deported, which Hmm. I think would be preferable for us Spurs fans to just get those players back to England ASAP, or they may be forced to quarantine in Brazil for 14 days, which (laughs) would be fucking wild if that happened. Um, Hopefully everyone is okay. Hopefully no, no one ends up in some weird situation uh i i think i think the 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 greater overall solution to this is ban international football forever during during a pandemic like why are we doing this why we already knew the 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 players going to meet argentina they were a a, you know i believe they call it a red list country um in england and and the players coming back were already going to have to quarantine for 10 days in government housing on their way back to england yeah, there was talks of like getting a private island in off of the coast of Croatia or something. This like. is this has just turned into the biggest shit show imaginable, and it really look. There are greater like you know health and safety things going on. Obviously, we are still dealing with a pandemic here. Uh, there are more important things in the world, but from a football sense, this really does kind of screw Spurs and it was going to screw them no matter what happened today. But like Lo and Romero were always going to be at a massive disadvantage, trying to make their way back into Spurs and, and working their way into the team. 
um, by going to meet with meet up with Argentina during this international break. It was always going to be tough for them, right? I mean, these are two guys that are trying to break into to the starting eleven right now, and this was only going to make it harder. Yeah, I don't. There's so much speculation that would be required to have an intelligent conversation right. about what those two gentlemen were thinking when they got on that PJ. To I, I can tell you one Messi. thing. I agree with you that we're not going to say that they were doing it for Lionel Messi. <laughs> uh, that's very true. I, I, I think that it goes a little further than that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're good. That's a little um, bit of a, if you know, you know, kind of situation. If you know, you know, indeed. <clears throat> uh, anyhow, uh, that said, um, this is wild and crazy times we live in, sir. This is wild and crazy times. So I, I would say that um, I hope they get deported, which is the first time I've ever said that phrase in my life. Uh, and I hope that um, <laughs> right. what that does is... Um, Gets it back to England as soon as possible. I, I mean, because the thing is, is there's still another week of this shit, yeah? Yeah. I mean, Spurs have a game now uh, in six days, actually. They play next Saturday uh, against Crystal Palace. And you can bet your ass that these two players won't be involved, um, whether or not they get deported or not, which, like you said, we weirdly hope that they do, I say, skeptically and inquisitively like, like I, I don't this is all very strange and developing so again yeah. take everything you've heard on this podcast with a grain of salt we will like stop <laughs> talking about it because we truly don't know what what the hell we're talking about um it's but just... i don't think I, I think the point that, that needs to be made here is this andrew is that um <clears throat> these two players on the fringe right now of the squad Okay, Romero's brand new. He's just trying to bat in. The the few cameos that he's have have been less than stellar. We'll say that. I mean, sure. it's, they haven't been awful, but they've been less than stellar. Okay, Lacelso has been uh, a hit or miss and injured player since he's gotten here. Uh, he's somebody that we really want a lot from, but we don't exactly know what a lot of what we're looking for from Lacelso yet. Yeah, and so. Like, it's kind of a weird time for them to go MIA. But at the same point in time, as we've talked about ad nauseum, they've also just recently run a Copa. And so because of that, like, it's kind of like their international, it's their, their national duty to kind of lead that charge. I think you're absolutely right, though. We're not going to come to a resolution on, on this pod, and they're not going to be in the next game uh, in six days. But, you know, 11 other players are going to be in uh, that lineup. And I'm curious, Andrew, um, where do you see that lineup changing or do you see that lineup changing with the new additions? Yeah, it's a, you, you perfectly worked in a question from, from our boy, Dustin Dietz on Twitter. Um, it, it is interesting coming off of this international break. A lot is going to have to be determined in the next handful of days as to who's healthy, who's coming back from international duty um, in the right mindset. Um, and for a team that is, I'll say they've been rolling granted three, one nil victories. None of them super convincing. Um, the city one, perhaps the most convincing, which is the most ironic part. Um, it, it will be interesting to see how this team kind of uh, comes back. It, it, the, the starting 11 has been for all intents and purposes, kind of consistent uh, outside of 
the inclusion of Harry Kane in the last match. Um, that was the one kind of change. So I don't know that I really see much changing in this lineup right now. I, I, as you mentioned, I think the only lineup you could, or the only change you could really possibly see in the back line would be at center back with Christian Romero. And that's not going to happen because of everything going on with him Um, at right back. You would love to see Emerson Royale come in, but I think he's just arriving in London today. perhaps, And I don't think there's nearly enough time to bed him in. So I think, you know, Jaffa Tanganga remains the guy at right back. Um, yeah. In terms and honestly, of the, I think I think even if Emerson had been here all week, I think Jaffa still gets the, the stuff. Yeah, he hasn't done anything to lose this place. Um, I think in the midfield, you've got, you know, Hoybier, Skip, and Deli Alley. Yeah. And then the the front three kind of picks itself as well. I mean, Youngman's son I, has been on international duty. Um, I think you could perhaps see maybe Lucas Mora for Steven Bergvine, but like that would that would be a change that we would debate on any other given week coming off of international break. So I don't think there are many changes for this team in the immediate future. It's more once we get to the game after next week, which uh, of course is pal- you know we've, it's Palace, and then it becomes uh, I believe we go right into the Europa Conference League after that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, into the, the group stage. And that's where we could start to see some changes um, in terms of rotating sides. But you're still going to have to play a decent enough team in these conference league games um, in order to get the results that you want. But it's, it's you know, this, the, the fixture list does not let up for this team whatsoever uh, coming coming after after the Palace game. It's, you know, it's Rennes, uh, it's Chelsea. It's Wolves away in the Carabao Cup. I believe we've seen that recently before. And yeah. then it's and then it's Arsenal. Uh, and then it's another conference league game. It's Villa, Newcastle. I mean, the the month of the rest of the month of September and into the, the month of October, you know, this international break, I hope everyone's enjoyed it because there are gonna be a lot of games coming up thick and fast. Yeah, man. I I think that we're going to start to have to see some changes when it comes to betting in players like Tongi and Domblay and like Emerson. <laughs> Wouldn't that be I think, nice? yeah, well, I think specifically we're going like, listen, Hey, there's, there's Tongi, you got to figure your shit out for, for the next three to four months anyhow, because you're here. So either you're going to play under 23 football uh, and then hope, you know, you enjoy your time at Sunderland when, when you're done. Or, you know, you're going to actually, like, raise your your <laughs> transfer stock and, and play up to your potential in, in an, uh, an offense that's crying out for your natural creative tendencies to carry the ball and distribute well to runs in behind, which we've seen him do time and time again. This, is, this offense is perfectly tailor-made for Tongi if he had his shit together. So I think, like, for guys like him and guys like Emerson, they're going to need to play meaningful minutes in the next three weeks, Andrew until we get to that late September, early October games, when, you know, when you look at the schedule and just in the league and you go West Ham, United, Everton, Leeds, and that's just bang, bang, bang. Yeah. What about, uh, do you see in like maybe, maybe he's the, the Delhi sub in the conference league to start out? But I don't know. And I mean, I can see that for certain, right? Um, But it also depends. I think, honest to goodness, I think the first team that we're playing is from Moldova. 
or something like that. Like, I think it's, it's no, I think it's, I think or is it Rens? Is it, is it Rens? I think it's Rens. I think it's the there, there's team, somebody yeah. in, in, in the league where we're going to a country that I had to look up on a map and <laughs> I'm pretty decent in geography. So that said, um, <laughs> I, I really, I really think it depends on like, it depends on Tongi and Nuno's relationship because I think yeah. to call it contentious is, is kind of a polite way to read in between the lines right now. Um, you know, we've, there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, Tongi's role, La Mafia, his kid arrival, which, uh, you know, as a parent, I completely understand, like, but all of this, there's also been Alistair Gold, who I listen to very intently, as you and I both do, who's come out and just basically been like, and I'm going to paraphrase him right now, Tongi's kind of Tongi and he does Tongi things and you know it's just kind of you hope that Tongi sorts Tongi out and it's like when you hear a journalist speak about a player like that like you know it's kind of bad you know what it is so uh, that said I'm hoping that Nuno can get a song out of Tongi um, at least to the point where we can find him a suitable home after he hopefully wins a silverware what about for for Emerson um Seems like the conference league would be a good place for him to start to bet in, right? Well, no, I absolutely agree with that uh, personally, but it wouldn't surprise me if we start to see some rotation as we see cup games come up as well. Um, yeah. So you know, is it, you know, we got the the league cup coming up, like you said, against Wolves in the twenty second. Like that screams Matt Doherty to me, but I mean, it could be a good place for Emerson. It screams. Um, it screams. It screams very backup team to me. I think. Yeah. I think, I think they won. The, I think they won the game at Wolves this year that they wanted to win. Yeah, I think that's I'm not saying that they're going to go out and throw the game, but I don't think they're going to be broken hearted if they take an early nosedive out of the League Cup either. I, I, so I don't, I, it's a really interesting question. And the only reason why I say that is because silverware is, it's at a premium in, in, in English football. I'm not even going to talk about for Spurs, I'm just going to talk about, Silverware is at a premium for English in English football. There are only three domestic trophies for top flight football that you can win every single year, right? If it didn't, if it if 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 the League Cup didn't matter, City wouldn't have won it the last what four years, right? I mean, this is the whole thing. Is it? And I mean, even even Mourinho came out and talked about like the importance of winning the League Cup and, and having it be kind of like like a, a like in a normal year, the yeah. League Cup happens like well before any of the other cups are decided, and it's like a a jump start to your trophy winning season. And I absolutely believe in that. So I'm not looking to take an early nosedive out of the League Cup. But at the same point in time, I'm going to travel halfway across Europe. Um, you know, trying to sort out this conference league match. And so that's something where it's kind of difficult for me to be excited about fielding a full team on, yeah. uh, you know, like in between playing Chelsea and Arsenal, because whoever schedules for Spurs, like, fuck that guy. <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's going to be. No, I'm tough. serious. dude. The 19th of September, Chelsea, the 22nd of September, Wolves in the, in the league cup, the 26th of September, Arsenal. Like what the f- Really? Yeah. Anyway, it'll we be tough. We are, sir. <laughs> Let's talk about Palace, man. That game is not going to be any sort of walk in Selhurst Park, bro. No, no, it's not. And um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit off the air. Like, it's it's one of those games that is it never feels like a like a simple no game in the Premier League these days. Let's be honest, feels like it's going to be a simple walkover. Um, but this is one that really, it, it always just feels like it could go haywire at any moment, right? 
It's a nervy 1-0 or a nervy 2-1 every single time. We we play 80 to 90 minutes feeling like, what the hell are we doing right now? And then ultimately one or two goals is the difference maker. And it's something where I never feel good about it. I just never feel good about it. Now, the one thing that I do want to point out here, Andrew, is that this is not your 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 dad's old Crystal Palace team. Uh, Patrick Vieira has got this team doing some things. Yeah. Right? This is this is a team that is that is actually been. I don't want to say impressive in their their outcome, but I, I would certainly say that their performances have yielded them um, better results than necessarily their record would indicate. No, it's true, and I mean. <laughs> It's, it's especially when you talk about a game and I know this is like, it, it gets lost on a lot of people because you're talking about professional athletes who show up to a stadium prepared to play whenever the game is supposed to be kicked off. But you're talking about a lunchtime Saturday kickoff coming off of an international break. Like, yeah, dude, you, you better get the smelling salts ready. You better, you better <laughs> like wake up and get going because this game is one of those that I could see the first 30 minutes being some of the most lethargic football. And oh, I don't just man. mean from Spurs standpoint. No, I mean, from everybody. Just oh. from everywhere. Like it could it could be. And look, for you and I out here on the West Coast of, of the United States, this is a 4.30 a.m. kickoff on a yeah, Saturday dude. morning. We're gonna we're gonna be up and at them and and drinking the coffee and trying to wake up along with these players. The Irish coffee for, for yeah, for for a lunchtime <laughs> kickoff on a Saturday. And it just you want to see somebody come out and grab this game by the neck and really like take control of it. And you would love for it to be Spurs. It would be really great. Um, well, if, but there's if just no guarantee if, of that. If it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Sonny coming in from the right-hand side of the box, double clutching and then sticking it in the bottom right-hand corner. Like I've seen it a million times, Andrew. That, that would be, that would be a delight. It would be delightful. Uh, and, and to be fair, Palace fans have seen it a million times too. It's it's almost like his patented move against. It. He absolutely loves. I don't know Guinea, Guida, Guida, whatever who, his name. The is. guy who made like thirty saves against us last year. Baller, like that's the his best performance of his entire life was against Spurs. But yeah. I mean, even when I mean, gosh, I don't remember who it was before. I, I want, I, but Sun just punishes Palace keepers. It's just kind of what he does. I honestly, I think this is a two-one Spurs. Maybe, maybe, maybe a two-nil Spurs. Um, well, that would that would just be heartbreaking. That Spurs, you, you think Spurs are actually going to give up a goal after after? Well, this is, hey, there he is. So that's why that's why I backtracked. I, I truly backtracked. I said I'm, I don't necessarily think that Palace has the firepower to break down the, the impenetrable wall that has been Dyer and Sanchez, but. <laughs> But what I will say is that um, Selhurst Park is um, is has given me heartburn on numerous occasions, so it wouldn't surprise me if this time isn't any different. It certainly is not an easy place to go. Uh, Palace, for the record, on the season, uh, started out with a 3-0 defeat to Chelsea, uh, then returned home a 0-0 decision against Brentford, bowed out of the, of the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, uh, to Watford on a late goal. And then uh, a two-two away to West Ham, where they had to come back twice in that match to get the draw. Connor uh, Gallagher had a blinder match. in that match, but yeah. they, I mean, they played well. I mean, the thing is, is that when you look at Palace, it's the same old Palace, right? It's Zaha, it's Benteke, it's Cunyade, it's it's. I, I think they have um, Jordan uh, Jordan Ayew. I think is a new addition. They've got Schloop. 
that they bring off the bench that's that's pretty solid. But I mean, it's it's MacArthur in the middle, right? They brought they did buy Joki Anderson, who I like. Yeah. Um, but I I mean I the guy he's playing with is a spare tire at best, and so it kind of makes it tough for them. They're gonna have a long day dealing with Harry Kane and Son. Uh, their 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 fullbacks are pretty shit. Connor Gallagher is a player, but I mean. We'll see. I think that with with Spurs pressing under Nuno, like it wouldn't surprise me. Again, if we come out and get a one 0 win, it wouldn't shock me. I'm gonna say that Kane, uh, you know, gets his shooting boots on, and and he and Son find the back of the net. Had him on today. He scored for England. I believe it was a penalty, um, and we hope to see more of that for Spurs uh, going forward as he continues to. You know, he's another one continuing to rebed himself into this team. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, this team is still it, it's nice to be atop the table and still not really feel like this team is doing anything like they haven't really hummed yet. They re- haven't really gotten it's also Labor Day, Andrew. I mean, yes, you're right. Listen, we played three matches and we have nine points. Yes, all three of those matches. And in, in that's one what matters. Victories. my friend. That's, that's all that matters. matters is nine points where we are. You couldn't have any more points, Andrew. You couldn't that, have any more points. That and that window that we talked about earlier has been slammed shut and we don't have to talk about that shit until January, which is great. Uh, Nearly, nearly 40 million pounds in, in wages per year out the window uh, gone and, and off the wage books, which is, can we talk about that for a sec? Sure. Dude, I'm, I cannot tell you how appreciative and happy I am at the business that Paratici and Daniel Levy did this window. Like everybody's, everybody's going to look at it and be like, oh, you bought for the future. You bought for the future. But I honest to goodness, I think that they not only did they buy for the future. Yes, they did. But I think that they improved the first team with with heel and, and Brian. I'm going to call him Brian with Brian and with Emerson. I think they legitimately improved the first team. Um, even even in 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 substitution roles, I, I think that when you ship out guys like Lamella and you ship out guys like. Toby and Serge and Musa, guys that regardless of what you thought about them, you knew we were going to play significant minutes every week. And you knew it was time. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, when you were talking about that, 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 that's no doubt. It's been time. It's fucking been time. And I think everybody knows it's been time. For all partners, for all parties involved that have left, I think everybody knew it was time to go. Yeah. Um, and so you look at that and you go, this guy came in and did the shit that needed to be done. The hard shit that, as we've talked about previously, Potch probably couldn't do. Daniel Levy couldn't do by himself. And Jose Mourinho and his crew certainly couldn't do because it was too abrasive in his approach. And so, like, Paratici has come in and he's changed the culture. He shipped the dead weight. He's bought for the future. He's reshaped the vibe around the club along with the hire of Nuno to bring in good vibes and positive direction. You play for the name on, you know, you play for the badge and, you know, it's about the glory and we're doing it the right way. And it's been good football. Even if it's been professional football, it's been good football. And, um, and we're proud to be Spurs again. So, I mean, when you look at that, it, it's it's kind of hard, Andrew, to to argue that um, there has been anything but amazing business done this window. Yeah, I've I've been in favor of it. Still, still things to do, but this is a step in the right direction, and that's all you can all you can ask for. You can't you can't take four steps at once. You have to take one, and then two, and then three before you can take four. 
Um, still a mystery to me as to where some of the secondary scoring comes from. Still a mystery to me as to um, you know how, how this team is able to maintain its play at the back, but um, just you know baby steps. That's what has to be done. This is part of the long, painful rebuild that that Bochettino spoke about for for how long? Um, well, we talked about you know I, I think I posted this on Twitter. It's like there, a rebuild requires more than a fresh coat of paint. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you have doing to some, you have to start rebuilding, start from the ground up, and we're doing um, some foundational improvements right now. I, and I, I mean, do, honestly, Pape Sar is huge. Yeah, no, it, it, they're all big. I I do hope that that players like Mora and Bergvine and you know maybe even Brian Heal can give Son and Kane that support in goal scoring um, because that's the support that people don't even want to really recognize, but that's the support that they got from guys like Bale and Vinicius last year. Well, I mean, those tw- there's 20 goals. There's there's 20 yeah. goals that you're talking about right there. So so let's yep. – where do you find 20 additional goals? It's not going to be from Kane who led the league in goals. It's not going to be from Son who had 20 goals for the first time in his career at Tottenham. Yep. Like, it's it's going to have to be from somewhere else. Got to come Delhi, from elsewhere. Is Delhi going to find goal scoring form again? I don't I don't know. I don't think so, there's, no. Well, there's been – listen, there's been a couple of instances where you'd be like, oh, that's an April chance from Delhi where he's been at the back post and he's flashed a header wide or he's, you yeah. know, uh, had a, had a clean shot, go straight on the keeper instead of finding the corner. Like there's been a couple of those chances. So I, I think that I, I, it wouldn't shock me. Honestly, it depends on who gets to play right now. It's going to be Delhi cause he's playing his tail off. I think if Delhi continues to play and he doesn't get like, uh, you know, unseated by Tongi for that cam role. Yeah. I think Delhi gets, 10, 10 league goals this year. I'm going to say that right now. Boy, that would be that would be immense. Uh, there's no other way to put it. That would be absolutely immense if, if he was able to get double-digit league goals. Um, I think it would be immense if he was able to get – I think he has one so far this year, right? He has the penalty. Yeah, I wonder uh, what kind I, of odds I get from William Hill on that right now. Huh? Go, go, go no check free that ads. out. No free ads, but go check that out. <laughs> Uh, this has been a pleasure, Todd. Uh, we, we, we said goodbye to Scott a little bit earlier. You can follow Scott at DSM Spurs. You can follow Todd at TC underscore Kashow. You can follow me at a Stetka. You follow t- the Tottenham Depot at, ironically enough, at Tottenham Depot. Let's go. Um, which, is, which is what you need to go do right now if you're not already. Uh, share, follow, retweet, all those things, uh, all, the, all the good stuff. Leave a rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk Crystal Palace, and I'm hopefully the return of Christian Romero and Giovanni Lo Celso to England. Uh, let's just <laughs> let's just hope that that's a thing that's going to happen as well. Um, but this has been a, a a pleasure and a joy, as you say. It's always a pleasure to talk Tottenham, and we do it weekly here, if not more, uh, on the Tottenham Depot. And we will do it again next week for Todd, for Scott. I've been your host, Andrew. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.